0: Good evening, everyone. This is Dave Heilman, a.k.a. Dynasty Dorks. It's July 14th, and this is the Sports Gambling Podcast Network's fantasy football show. We are brought to you by WinBet Um, on the uh, SGPN podcast. uh, We're presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com dot com and start winning today we're also brought to you by sleeper you already play fantasy on sleeper but now you can win cold hard cash with our over under game just head over to sleeper.com backslash sgp on your phone to join the sgpn group and sleeper automatically match your first deposit up to a hundred dollars that's sleeper.com backslash sgp and also don't forget about the sgpn discord make sure you check out our discord server the f- perfect place to interact and sweat the beds With the entire SGPN crew, just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com backslash discord. All right. Well, Greg, thank you so much for coming on. I have to make sure that I give you an, I give you a good introduction for all that you've done for us in the fantasy football industry industry. This is Greg Kellogg. Uh, he is, he's, he worked for the, the, he was a host for the blog talk radio host, um, Greg's been doing this for over 20 he's been playing fantasy football for over 21 years. He is a humble and honest Detroit Lions fan. Loves football and he is a member of the inaugural FSWA Hall of Fame class in 2010. The list of accomplishments just goes on. There's probably not enough room on the page. Producer for foxsports.com, creator of the Ladies of Football League that promotes the hobby to ladies, partner of the fantasyasylum.com senior writer for gridirongrumblings.com, guest writer for sports illustrated, partner for fantasy sports group and radio host for fantasy sharks. Welcome to the show Greg. I appreciate you coming on.
1: It's my pleasure. I do need to correct you though. I started sure. playing in 1988. That's 33 years ago. I did take 5 years off, but still well over 20 years.
0: You got some you got some time on me. That's, that's quite a bit of time and the game has changed quite a bit. Um, We'll get into that later, but really just want to talk to you about your start with fantasy football. What what got you into fantasy football?
1: Uh, Work. I was working in the uh, D.C. area for a Beltway Bandit. Um, uh, For those that don't know, Beltway Bandits are the defense contractors that line the Beltway in D.C., And if you have a top secret clearance, you can get hired to do something you've never done before. In the army, I was a Russian linguist, military intelligence, top secret clearance. When I got out, I got hired to help test command and control software. And uh, I got hired because I had a top secret clearance. I didn't know anything about computers or anything else. But one of the guys I worked with, actually got me the job I played basketball against in Germany. He was on a different unit, and our unit typically dominated that. We had a couple guys that had played college ball. I was not one of them. <laughs> I went out for my college team and got cut. Um, but my intramural team beat the college freshman team in the championship game, so we got that. And I scored 40, so I felt pretty good about that. That's pretty um, good. And it, it was fun. But anyway, you know, you go and you work with different people. And some guy says, hey, there's this new thing called fantasy football. And I said, OK, what's it all about? How do you do it? And back then, there were no websites, none. You couldn't get information. You had the USA Today. That was it. And there was a program called Couch Coach, which I think 1989 is the first year we used that. You would you would put in your starting lineups into this PC program and then you would input the box scores manually and it would print out your scores and who won. And it was it was really wild. But because I started so early, I think 95, I started writing and uh, I had a pretty good paying job uh, I was not going to give that up for fantasy football. I didn't. I didn't care how much they were going to pay me. I didn't know that I could trust it to last. Mm-hmm. And when you have a top secret clearance, you don't gamble. You don't take a chance with gambling because gambling will cost you. So my my whole stick for fantasy football was grow the hobby. Enjoy it, grow the hobby. And I was doing you know, 40 to 60 hours of research for fantasy football in the early years. That included the writing and everything else. And I was working 50 hours a week at my regular job. I'm married and had three kids. It's it's tough to spend that much time each week during the season. There was an off-season back then. Now there's no off-season. But um, I was just lucky enough that when I started writing, I didn't need to make money from my writing. So uh, I would submit it to... Uh, to magazines. Amo uh, Kavlik, who runs Fantasy Football Pro Forecast, Football Diehards, and several uh, two other magazines, uh, was the first guy to publish me in a national magazine. And my wife and I went out and bought six copies and sent them home to family members. So it was pretty cool. I think I got $135 for the first article. It was, it's not a lot. You're not going to live on it. But I took my wife out to a nice dinner with it. So... <laughs> Um, and that's how I met Bob Harris. And there's a guy named Joe Bryant. Most of you guys today probably know him because he, he's the mastermind behind football guys. Uh, yeah, football guys. Yep. And uh, David Dodds was Mr. Football, and they kind of merged together. But football guys back in the day was the biggest site on the Internet. And uh, Joe and I, everybody used to go to the rec.sport.football.fantasy newsgroup. Now, for those of you who don't know what Usenet is, consider yourself lucky. It's a text-based forum system. Um, I doubt that you can even get a Usenet client anymore, but that was how we shared our hobby with other people. And in the, in the, the RSFF forum, what I found was there were, professionals, people who were selling their information and, and, uh, yeah, they do all the research and everything. And then he'd put out reports Um one of the best early ones was, uh, KFFL's hot off the wire that was done by, uh, Ryan Del Pillar and William Bonini. Um, no, Ryan Bonini and William Del Pillar. Sorry. I know these guys too. I feel bad about that. You get old, you forget things. Um, but, uh, that also wrote a world and wrote a wire. were starting to do like daily news updates, or sometimes even hourly. Um, but a lot of that stuff just came out on the forum. And you'd have these professionals that are trying to sell their work. Then you'd have what I would call uh, the nice guys—the people that they appreciated. They if if a professional screwed up, they'd call them out, but they were never nasty about it. They would, mm-hmm. You know, you and I can have a difference of opinion on two players. All right. I think Baker Mayfield's going to end up being a top 15 quarterback this year. I think he's going to be very good. I took him as my QB three. You might think he's going to suck. And if you do, that's fine. That's what's great about the hobby is you can have different opinions. And at the end of the year, you're going to know who was right and who was wrong. Yep. Um, and then we had what I call the snipes, the people who were just going to be negative no matter what. They were trolls, basically, in in this Usenet form. And so Joe and I started talking, and Joe had a professional site. And I says, Hey, why don't we set up a 12 team league with four pros, four nice guys, and four um, snipes or trolls? And we called it uh, FANEX, the Fantasy Experts League. And uh, Terry Cannon, some of you might remember Terry. It's been a while since he's been around. Um, let's see who else was in it early. Uh, Bob Harris was in it. Jeez, um, I don't remember all the sites. Anyway, um, you'd have to go back and look at it. The guy that dominated early was uh, John Hansen and Steve Cohen. Those two teamed up to form a team. Hansen was fantasy guru. And Cohen was uh, ProFootballInjuries.com. Now, I don't know what Hanson's doing now, but Cohen is over at SiriusXM kind of running things. He's uh, Cohen was always good. And I met Bob, through Steve Cohen, uh, Bob Harris. Bob is still around football diehards. And I got to tell you, your listeners, the best advice I ever got from anyone was from Bob Harris. He and I used to talk till three in the morning. He was out west, uh, not west coast, mountain time. I think uh, Arizona or New Mexico. I don't remember which one. I think New Mexico. And um, I was east coast. I was in Atlanta. And so we would just, as part of the 40 to 60 hours, and we would talk. And Bob said something that is so profound, and people today still don't get it. Don't chase last year's stats. It's simple. You got a guy that was Cooper Cup. Excellent, excellent year last year. 197 targets. What, 165 receptions, something like that. Uh, 1,800 yards or so, 20 touchdowns. He's not going to repeat that. Nobody repeats that. It's impossible to repeat that kind of season. Um, But people are drafting him fifth overall. Some as early as second overall. I, I just think that's a mistake. You're chasing last year's stats. He won leagues last year because he was picked up in the fifth and sixth round. Uh-huh. He wasn't picked up at the fifth overall. Another piece of advice Bob gave me, and I don't know if he originated this one. Um, he said that, um, oh, God, what was it? He had never chased last year's stats was the big one. Um, God, I can't remember. I'm old. I forget.
0: Well, what about the snipes? Do do we do we know the names of any of these snipes? Mark
1: Nolte was one of them. I don't know if you know his name, but he was in Fanex for years. A yeah. lot of the snipes became nicer. Uh, a lot of the uh, snipes and the the uh, nice guys became professionals. Yeah, you know, I I ended up going to work for Fox Sports and producing their fantasy page. From June of uh, 2000 to June of 2001, Fox uh, ended up shutting us down after a year because we were actually outperforming their hard football coverage. And they were paying those writers a hell of a lot more than they were paying (laughs) us. Um, But we got more hits and we were stickier because fantasy fans, they won't only read an article from the beginning to the end. They'll read it three or four times, they'll share it with their friends, and they'll read Eight or 10 articles, not just one. Um, regular football guys read the headline in the first two paragraphs, then they're on to somewhere else. So stickiness is how much of the article you read, how long you stay on the site because of the article. Yep. And we uh, Fox told us, I asked them, do you want to make money? Because I can tell you how to make money. And one of the things I said was back then, there was this brand new site called myfantasyleague.com run by Mike Hall out of Madison, Wisconsin. Now, Mike's a good guy, and he had just beefed up his server so he could handle it because he was growing fast. There was no underdog. There was no sleeper. Um, My Fantasy League was it. And right now, even today, if you want research, My Fantasy League is the best tool you have for research because you can put in your scoring system, and they have probably the most complex scoring options available anywhere. Uh, It's not as big as Sleeper. It's probably not as big as Underdog either. Um, But it's still one of the top league management systems. It's just not a sexy interface. That's the only problem with it. And it does, it's very complicated interface. It takes a while to get used to it. Um, But I told Fox, you know, make a deal with Mike. He can host your leagues and it's already made. You don't have to build anything. Yep. You just have to make a deal with them, and because it was so new to everybody, they could have made a killer deal with Mike. Um, and they wanted to do their own thing. They never got their software up and running. Never got it up and running. Um, it was so buggy. And I also said, um, "Let us sell draft guides. Let us sell cheat sheets. I mean, we could do all of that." And they said, "No, we just want hits. Just give us clicks." We gave them clicks, and we got fired a year later. So, but don't get me wrong, I love Fox because for a year they paid me twenty five percent more than I was making as a defense defense contractor um, to go and write about football. And when it, when it ended, they said we're going to shut this down. They closed the New York office after six six months. The California Santa Monica office was the last to close, but nine months in, they said we're shutting down. We're going to keep paying you for three more months. You don't have to come to work. So it gave me three months to find a job. So I just went back to defense contracting and started doing things on my own. But so I'm, I, you know, people say, are you mad? Well, I would have liked to have been there for 25 years. Yeah. But bottom line is going back to defense contracting, I kept the salary I had at Fox and got a little bit of a pay raise. And then, uh, you know, it, it, it paid my family well. It got me to California, bought a house in California. And with we were in California from 2000 to 2006. And every year, the houses went up double digit in value because back then, everybody was flipping the houses. They were buying yep. flip it, buy it, flip it. So when I sold my $179,000 house, I got 380. dollars So I paid off what I still owed on the house. I paid for a full service move to Texas so I could be closer to my parents. Um, and I paid for my house in Texas. You want to know freedom? Pay off your mortgage. If you yeah. don't have a mortgage payment. That's freedom.
0: And so, you know, we talked about some of the, the main players that really, you know, um, not only helped, helped you get where you're at, but, you know, what else? You know, I, I think, you know, people listening to this right now hopefully they're a little humbled and understand where your your my my stuff won't refresh in 2 seconds um you know not having to put their lineups into you know these little <laughs> machines not having to add it up i mean Bob
1: Harris sent out his weekly cheat sheets using a fax system he would yeah. send the fax into a central location and they would fax it out to his whole mailing list and he thought that was great because he he used to mail them by hands email i mean snail mail there was no email. Everything went snail mail to get out. So he'd get those all done on Monday, ship them out and people would get them on Thursday or Friday. There were no Thursday games, so that was OK. But I mean, it's it's just changed. Now, the big thing about uh, football diehards is if you order their cheat sheet um I think he might even be able to get it through their magazine. I'm not positive. But if you order their cheat sheet, they send out electronic updates to their users. Um, It's all kind of automatic now. So um, Bob is, again, Bob was one of the first in everything. The first podcast was Bob Harris and I. It wasn't video. It wasn't even really a podcast. Bob would go out scour the internet for um, quotes not just quotes for video interviews by sports writers of players and he would cut the player's answer and then he would provide me with the questions to read to the screen and I'd read the question the play he'd tape in the the players and then he'd read the question. it just took forever to do this. I mean oh, I
0: can imagine and it
1: really wasn't. Our work, it was the sports writers that were asking these questions. Um, I I got credentials to the Falcons one time, and these sports writers, kind of got to say, they're not the sharpest bunch. I mean, (laughs) the questions they ask are pretty formulaic, and they're not really in-depth. They don't really go down. They don't talk about schemes. They don't talk about injuries that much. I mean, they'll ask as a player injured, but they don't ask the follow-up okay, he's injured. What is your timeline? How long is he going to be impacted by this? You know, a guy's got a sprained ankle. Will he play next week? Will it affect his effectiveness? Fans don't really care. Fantasy guys really, really care. That's why Steve Cohen got so big. The pro football injuries, he would call every single PR department to get that information and publish it one place. PR departments, they actually like Dealing with one person, so they're not getting in, inundated with a thousand calls from fans. So, yep. I mean, I got press credentials to the Falcons one year because, and his year they went to the Super Bowl um, because I took the questions. They would forward the calls to me that they were getting, so that they didn't have to deal with it. And then I would, I would answer the questions. Um, so back then, it, it was well, even today in business. It, it's not a one-way street. You got to provide value to the person that's giving you something of value. I mean, that's American business, American enterprise. So, um,
0: yeah. And so, you know, when when you want to give some advice to you know those of us that are out here doing this, and you know, not everyone's going to you know be able to quit their job and and go do this right away. Um, But what are some tips to to help people that are looking to break into the industry?
1: Okay, so if you're trying to break in and actually make money, the first thing you need to do is make sure you can write effectively and you know how to spell and spell check and grammar check. Um, I find that the best writers, Matthew Barry went in the Hall of Fame with me. Most fantasy guys think he's worthless, to be honest. Matthew Barry was humorous. and He helped a lot of people get started in the early days with ESPN. I'll never talk about. He was never there really to be a hard analyst because he didn't really know football. He was he was a screenwriter in Hollywood and he got a gig with ESPN and nicest guy in the world. He really is. Uh, Matt Pitzer, I think, was with the Sporting News. He was a knowledgeable guy. John Hanson was a knowledgeable guy. Bob Harris, Joe Bryant wrote one of the best uh, art draft articles you'll ever find. And you can still find it on the Internet. It's called Value Based Drafting. The Principles of Value Based Drafting or VBD. Um, yep. And I th- I don't think Joe's really written in 10 years. Um, but the early stuff when we were all digging, if you want to break in now, you got to hone your skill. Um, when I left uh, Fox Sports, I started Kellogg's comments. And basically what Kellogg's comments was, was a place for new writers, up and coming writers to be published. I would, I would edit their work. I would critique their work so that they could improve. And if you couldn't take criticism, you didn't belong because anybody that starts out, it's going to be rough when they first start out. And the first thing I'd say is study the game, you know, find out what cover two is, find out what cover zero is, you know, find out what a three gap is, four gap. Find out what the terms actually mean. What's an X receiver? What's a Y receiver? What's a Z receiver? I mean, everybody knows split in flanker and slot, but they the the plays are called with X, Y, and Z for just about everybody. Um, find out what the blocking schemes are, because if you understand the blocking schemes, uh, you got to dig deeper. Find out who the top coordinators are. Because if a coordinator changes, look at Dabo, what's Dabble or whatever his name is, from Buffalo to the Giants. That guy's going to have an impact on the Giants. Now, is is Daniel Jones the quarterback that can implement that? Who knows? I really don't know. Um, Josh Allen wasn't when he first got there. It took him a while, but he is now. So when you have top coordinators change teams, pay attention. So when you're writing, you have to combine statistical analysis with knowledge of the game, and if you if you're lacking in one or the other, you're not going to be successful. That's just the bottom line. Not everybody who wants to be a writer can be a writer, and yeah. people just have to understand it. But another thing, writers that always stuck with me that I enjoyed had humor, and that's why I like Matt Barry. I don't I don't trust his analysis but I loved his writing style. I mean, the guy was excellent. He was a screenwriter for crying out loud. He, he got paid to write stories and he was good at it. Um, I, I like, there's a lot of writers that I like, but the ones that can make me laugh and at the same time, bring up a point I didn't think of. Those are the guys that are really valuable to fantasy sites. Take any job you can and be prolific and never, ever miss a deadline. If you miss a deadline, your credibility is gone entirely. And you can find a niche. Your dynasty uh dynasty or dynasty IDP? Dynasty. Okay, just dynasty. Dynasty is probably what 15-20% of the leagues? It's not, it's not a major player. Mm-hmm. Uh, redraft is the major player. Mm-hmm. Um IDP is another niche market. If you're new and you want to get started look at dynasty IDP. I mean, that's, that's a smaller market. So there's smaller competition, but you got to know more because you now have to understand defensive players, defensive schemes, as well as offensive players and offensive schemes. It's uh, if you want to be good, get your work out there as far and wide as you can. When I, for me, for example, when I first started writing, um, I had two requirements to publish my article. Number one, it could never be behind a paywall because I wouldn't take money for my articles. So when Joe Bryant put it on Football Guys, he knew that I was going to go to Tony Holm and Fantasy Sharks and John Georgiopoulos. And at the time it was gridiron grumblings. It's sports grumblings now. But I was going to go to other sites and give them the same article. Now, a lot of fantasy sites don't like that. But if you're good enough, They want your article. And if you build a reputation, they really want your article. And then you can do things like that. At one point, I was on about three dozen sites. So I call myself the first syndicated writer. Um, But again, the more you do something, the better you get at it. And you have to be able to take constructive criticism. If you can't take constructive criticism, you'll never improve at your skill.
0: 100%. And I want to talk more about that in a second i need to make sure that we we shout out our sponsors uh again I want to talk about win bets um make sure you guys get down on Win wins uh bet 50 to win 200 promotion where 50 bucks in in a bet qualifies you for up to 200 in free bets if you're betting baseball you have to check out win bet and the reduced juice in baseball games makes them the best place to bet mlb and don't forget about the ultimate fantasy football experience if you bet 500 plus on sports or casino before july 31st. You get entered to win the ultimate fantasy football draft experience at Encore Beach Club. This includes a two-night stay at Win Resorts for you and your entire league. Multiple entries are allowed. There's so much to choose from and all you have to do is download the WynnBet app or visit Wynnbet.com to get started. Offer subject to change terms and conditions at winbet.com. You must be 21 or older and present in the state that where win bet play is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, Please call 1-800-522-4700 and again sleeper sleeper is the fastest growing platform today with millions of players you probably already have fantasy league you already do your drafts on there i used it for mine we used it last week for our mock draft it's a game ch- changing product unlike anything else in the industry now you can make money on sleeper too by playing the over the new over under game super simple first in any sport choose two or more players that you like and pick the over under, for example, number of points in basketball, number of hits in baseball, number of catches in football. Then you choose the amount of money you want to enter in the contest, and then you watch the game. If you pick correctly, you can win any anywhere from two times to 20 times your money. Main reason I'm excited about this over under app, over under game on sleeper. It's the only app where I can join my buddies' contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see my, my friends' picks at the tap of a button. It's insanely fun. We ride it out together. Even if it's a bad game, we're still having fun. Um, Stop what you're doing. Download Sleeper. Download Sleeper now. Play their over-under game. Have fun with your friends. And uh, don't forget about sleeper.com SGP. And Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's right. Join the squad. Sleeper.com SGP for 100, 100, up to $100 match on your first deposit. All right. So um, yesterday I had the privilege of interviewing uh, Andrew Erickson. And he brought up a lot of the same points. Um, one thing that he talked about was networking and relationships. And you know, I, I I think, you know, everything you said, don't you know, don't miss a deadline. Make sure you take, you know, take opportunities and take advantage of opportunities and hone your skill. You know, one of the things that I I you know that really helps me in fantasy football is I'm a football junkie. I I I listen to uh Move the Sticks podcast just as much as any of my fantasy football podcasts. And I love listening to their, the scouts perspective of things. And, you know, when I watch the NFL draft, I don't just know the receivers and the quarterbacks. I know the linebackers and the safeties, and I know the linemen. And so I know whenever, you know, we talk about the, the Houston Texans, I'm excited about Kenyon Green being added to that offensive line. I'm excited the Giants getting Evan Neal. Not only excited that they, you know, added Wondell Robinson and Brian Dable, but those things help. And, you know, when you look at offensive lines, you look at schemes and you also look at players fitting schemes. Um, Any tips to, to those that are not as knowledgeable about that? Like when you look at it and you say, okay, this person would fit an outside zone scheme. This coach runs an outside zone scheme. And so you see those, and then you see the player in free agency go to a different team and he fails because how did you
1: job. learn that, David? Like, I what, listen, how did you, learn to- it? you watched a lot of football, right? Yep, and you probably talked to people on forums. I mean, none of us know everything, but if you start talking to people, especially players and coaches, football guys is still, in my opinion, one of the larger. Forum sites. Oh, yeah. Join football guys. Get in the forums and talk to people. If you want to succeed at anything, anything in life, you got to be professional. Being professional means you've got to invest time and effort in honing your skills. And that's the, you know, I'm really looking forward to, I'm bringing back some old things. Um, I took five years off. I didn't watch a single game. So this offseason, I've been going through the NFL um, has recaps of games and I'm going through every team's games for the entire season. Now I'm not going to get through them all before the season starts, but I, I can get through a team in two days. And that's basically what I'm doing. And the game of fantasy football hasn't changed. Um, the game of football has in terms of uh, routinely people used to get 370 carries or more, the top backs. And it would happen relatively often. Nowadays it rarely happens. Uh it really doesn't. You have a lot more committees, you have a lot more uh different things. And so Dave, let me ask you something. If I could guarantee to you in 2021 before the season started, if I saw something in Cooper Cup from previous seasons that I could say 90% chance Cooper Cup is going to be the number one wide receiver in football this year. He's going in the fifth round. If you take him in the fourth, you're sure to get him. Would you have and and but understand, Dave, it's only 90%. He may not do it, but I'm expecting a record-breaking year, number one wide receiver, and 90% of the people that have matched this criteria have done it the next year. Would you have drafted him? Uh absolutely. In the fourth round? In the fourth round? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Unfortunately, nobody can predict success that way. But that leads us to another prediction. That's what Bob said that I couldn't remember. You never win a league with your picks in the first round, but you can lose the league with your first round pick. Now, some people have said you never win a league with your first three picks, but you can lose the league with your first three picks. If you're taking Jonathan Taylor this year, You're going to take him at number one or number two overall. I mean, you won't get him if you don't. Okay. So why Jonathan Taylor? Well, there's an old article, uh, old philosophy. And by old, I mean, it was first propagated in 2004 by Aaron Schatz of Fantasy Football Outsiders. He went back to 1978 and ran it through 2004. It's called The Curse of 370. And what it said was basically if a running back gets 370 touches, 90% of the time, his fantasy production is going to drop the next year. Okay, Um, 90% of the time has proven accurate. In 2010, Tristan Cockroft of ESPN revisited the article, found out, yep, still true. 2016, John Georgiopoulos revisited the article and found out, yep, still true. 2017, Gary Davenport for Football Diehards revisited the article. Yep, still true. So I brought it up in some spaces. I love this Twitter Spaces thing, man. You talk to fans, and fans are passionate about their team. And I I say something like, "Don't draft Jonathan Taylor," and everybody goes nuts. And I say, and they'll ask why, and I says, "Well, two reasons. Number one." There's no way he's repeating 20 touchdowns. Nobody does when they get that many. So, you know, he's going to drop in touchdown count if nothing else. And I said, uh, number two, he's going, he, he had 370 touches. So, he's going to drop. 90% of players that have 370 touches drop. So, everybody says, oh, come on. The game's changed. These athletes are much better conditioned than they used to be. Okay. So, I went back to 2012. From 2012 to 2020, 10 running backs had 370 touches. Now, touch is a combination of carry and reception. Of those 10, all 10 dropped in fantasy production the next year. That's 100%. Now, one of them only dropped 5%. That was Ezekiel Elliott. He was 23 years old, so he was 24 the next year. That is something I consider flat you're going to have fluctuation year to year. 5% is nothing. If you take Zeke with, you know, whatever pick you take him at, expecting what he did last year, he's probably going to be within 5% of that. Uh, Until you get 28, 29, then you, at 29 and 30, most running backs just drop off a ledge. But, I mean, we're not talking about bumps. You don't get 370 touches if you're a bump. Uh, Let's go back to 2012. Arian Foster, Adrian Peterson, And Doug Martin all had 370 plus. Well, actually, Martin only had 368. But I included him because I wasn't sure whether or not he returned any punts. I know he didn't return any kicks. Anyway, the following year, uh, Doug Martin had a 78% drop in production. He missed 10 games. Adrian Peterson, he was probably the best of the other than Zeke. In uh, drops, he dropped 32%. He missed two games. Um, but the year after that, he only played one game. Um, so this stuff does accumulate. These hits don't just go away. Um, Arian Foster, Houston, Texas. Loved that guy. Uh, 16 games in t- 2012. 391 touches. Uh, 306.1 fantasy points 2013 eight games 65 percent drop in fantasy production okay but that's again that's 10 years ago in t- 2013 LaShawn McCoy played all the same games but he had um a drop of 38 percent. and the year after he missed four games that's a quarter of the season back then remember so yeah um Go up to DeMarco Murray and thank you for correcting me on the spelling of his name. I admit when I'm wrong. I said Demarcus. not sure why. Um, he played 16 games in 2014. He had 449 touches. That's extreme by the way. Uh, 361 points. He played 15 games the next year, not too bad, but he had a 48% drop in production. Okay. Um, Nobody in 2015, 2016, David Johnson, 25 years old, 16 games, 373 touches, 411.8 points. 2017, he only played in one game, so 99% drop. Le'Veon Bell, again, you corrected me on this, Uh, 25 years old, played 15 games, 406 touches, 345.6 yards. Played no games the next year. Now, you you pointed out that's because he held out. But we also went and looked at the following year, the first year that he came back, and he had a severe drop in production. Yep. Um, Zeke, Zeke in 2018 was good. Um, and again, only a 5% drop. He was the exception. Chris McCaffrey. In 2019, Chris McCaffrey was not an injury prone back. He had played all 16 games in 2018. He played all 16 games in 2019. He had 403 touches. Okay. We all know what happened in 2020. He played three games. 2021, he played seven games. I expect him to come back to full strength this year. Um, but you just don't know. Because these these injuries, this punishment lingers. Um, Derek Henry, 26 years old when he did this. He had 403 touches, 469.2 points. He played eight games the next year. Uh, It's just a 45% drop. Derrick Henry was tearing it up in 2021. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was probably the top ranked back at week eight when he went down. But yeah, he he started off strong. Week nine through the end of the year. You just lost your top score. And yep. that doesn't help you in the playoffs. It doesn't. Um, so last year, there were two backs that went over 370. It was Najee Harris um, with, uh, oh, how many was it? Touches. Uh,
0: and here, here's where Greg 3-81. is really going ups, to upset Dynasty Twitter right here. So let's let's hear this.
1: Well, if you're Dynasty and you got these guys, you don't drop them. But a redraft league, you don't draft them in the first round. Najee Harris had 381 uh, touches last year, okay? He had a very good year. Jonathan Taylor, he had 372 touches last year. Very, very good year. I already told you he's going to drop because he's going to not get 20 touchdowns again. But because of the curse of 370, there's no way I'm taking him. Now, a lot of people say, well, he's only 22 years tw- 22 years old last year. These guys are in much better physical condition. All true. But guess what? The defense is much better physical condition, too. And a body can only take so much punishment. Now, is there a chance that Taylor could have a good year this year? Absolutely. Najee, too. But going back to 1978, 90% of the people that touched that that mark, that 370 touches, did not have a great year the following year. And if you take Taylor with the number one overall pick, your second round pick is at 24. Okay. That's a big drop to your second player.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: I I got to say, if I'm taking any of these guys, if I take Najee Harris um, and I don't, again, five years off, I don't know the names of all the backups. Uh, Naheem something or other um, is Harris's backup. Taylor. Uh, I mean, Henry, his coach is already saying they're going to give him 25 to 30 touches. He'll break down. I really believe that. If they do draft Hassan Haskins, that kid can play. And uh, last year, they almost replaced Taylor's um, overall running production with the committee. They, They actually, if you look at Taylor's games versus the committee games, um, it's almost exact, except in touchdowns. Taylor had 10 TDs and the committee only had five. But the problem with that was it was multiple players. It was one extra game. It was nine instead of eight. It was a drop. Um, this year, they've got uh, Haskins, and I think he'll be the bellwether if if uh, if Henry goes down again. So I'm not touching Taylor because Taylor and Najee Harris, if if – Historic precedence matters. They're too big of a risk. They're first round picks, and remember the saying: you can't win your league with a first round pick, but you can lose it.
0: Yeah, and so when you look at the other players around here, because of course anyone that passes up on Jonathan Taylor at the one hundred and one is, you know, that's going to be a. It's not going to feel good when the rest of your your league mates look at you and say, "Thank you so much." Um,
1: yeah, it feel good if he goes down. And the, you win the league. Who, as who, are, who
0: are some guys that you're um, considering at, you know, who would you consider at maybe the top spot if you didn't take Jonathan Taylor?
1: I would probably take uh, Chris McCaffrey. I would try to trade out of the spot. If I could trade out of the spot, I would trade a first and fourth round pick to get a first and second round pick later in the draft. Because um, yeah. that way you're getting an extra pick in the first two rounds. And that always gives you a slight advantage. If you can get somebody that really wants Taylor, you might be able to trade a first, fourth, and sixth for a first, second, and fourth. Yeah, and, and that really, I mean, it's what you can get. If I have to draft him, if something happens in the preseason to McCaffrey and you just don't trust him, then um, I'm probably going to look either, at, if I have to draft him, I'm going to draft him with the idea of trading him in the preseason. Um and if if I just don't trust that I'll be able to trade him I'll probably take a Chase or Jefferson number 1 overall and I don't like drafting wide receivers. Um but I will tell you if I have a late draft pick I like Kelsey and Andrews late in the first round.
0: Yeah. Cuz they're the
1: difference makers.
0: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a difference maker. There's a huge there's a huge difference between the tight end three and the tight end four um, and the tight end one. Well, three, four, five, and
1: six two. are, I think three, four, five, and six are kind of a tier by themselves. You mm-hmm. can't be certain who those players are going to be. I mean, a lot of people like Pitts, Waller, they're Kittle, uh, Hockenstein maybe. Um, but the truth is that from year to year, tight end scoring fluctuates except for Kelsey, Who's been top near the top first or second for like six straight years? So Kelsey's safest pick. I watched those Baltimore Ravens games, and the only receiver that Lamar Jackson has a good feel for is Andrews. So as long as Jackson's on the field, Andrews is probably going to have a pretty good year. So I I think Andrews is and Andrews is a lot younger than than Kelsey is. So I think that's a Andrews is a pretty good pick now. Um,
0: and I, I think every, everyone able- should norm- normalize trading in your redraft leagues. Um, cause I think something that stood out to what you said, you know, us that are in dynasty, we're trading. And so in your startups and all that you're, you're trading and in redrafts, I mean, we've, we all have different, you know, redrafts. Some do a live redraft, some do a slow redraft. Um, some just do a, a quick one minute clock. On I like those 30
1: second clocks. I really do.
0: And, you know, but there's no trading in those. And no. so, so in those scenarios, you cannot trade Jonathan Taylor. You cannot trade out of that first pick you're, you're sticking and picking. And so that's where you're having to make the decision, whether you go, you know, McCaffrey or whether you go a receiver or, you yeah. Know, I mean, Austin
1: you- Eckler is a viable pick. Um, I, I don't take injured players, so I'm not taking Henry. Um, and I haven't seen any preseason games to see if he's got the same pop he had before. He's getting up in age. He'll be 28 this year, and that's typically near the end of a running back's lifespan. Um, So there are are things you have to do. One thing, understand your rules. If you're going to be good at fantasy, if you want to be professional at fantasy, understand your rules. The Scott Fishbowl, I'm really enjoying it but it's a super flex league. And that means I can start two quarterbacks. And that means 12 teams. There's not enough quarterbacks to cover your bye week There's only 32 quarterbacks. Um, And you rarely have a team that plays two quarterbacks consistently in the pros college. You see it once in a while, Uh, Michigan. I'm a Michigan fan. Um, They have a good starting quarterback. And they've got a five-star behind them. And so J.J. McCaffrey got some snaps last year, and he'll get more this year. But the starter's going to start because he he took them to the playoffs and he beat Ohio State. So he's going to start. Yeah. Um, But in pros, you don't have that. So when you think about it, three three quarterbacks per team, which covers a bye week when you start two, at least four teams without a – a, a bye week player, and too many. We I've got a guy in my Scott Fishbowl that drafted two quarterbacks. His second quarterback was J, Jameis William, uh, Winston. Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston. I don't really like Jameis Winston all that much anyway, but he's got the same bye week as his starter does. So you got Winston and his other starter. I don't remember who it is. Both on bye a week fourteen. Well, week fourteen could be your championship game. You got no quarterback to start. Um, so that, that's silly to me. Uh, I had uh, in round seven, I had 709. Um, I had two people in my pre-draft list. I had um, quarterback from New England, uh, Mac Jones, and I had uh, Baker Mayfield. I think Baker's going to be much improved this year in Carolina. He's also going to be playing with a healed torn labrum instead of a torn labrum. Um, but I really like what I saw from the rookie, Mac Jones. And I think yep. he's going to take a step up his second year. So either one of them was fine for me as a third quarterback. My starters were Pat Mahomes, pick 104, and Matthew Stafford, pick 209. So, and then I went three running backs because I still believe in the old running back is king in fantasy football. Yeah. And I got yeah. three starters. I mean, I I got three starters. Three guys I like. I got Mixon. I got uh, oh jeez. Jacobs was my third one. My second one. Oh, um, Terminator James Conner.
0: Yep, yep.
1: Um, and you know, later on, I got Melvin Gordon. And y- there's you can get the part-time players afterwards. I, I took yeah, a your draft far- to- is.
0: Huh? Your, your draft is going faster than mine. We we have. Uh, did you do a live draft or a slow draft?
1: Slow draft, and there are times I'm just going out of my head because people are timing out. Which
0: well why we, would you get
1: into a Scott Fishbowl if you're going to time out?
0: Yeah, and pre-draft, pre-draft, and, baby. and it's a it's a long clock. It's not like people are timing out eight or, hours. Yeah, they're not <laughs> they're not timing out on one hour clocks. The problem in my league is it's a time zone issue. So we have two people from uh we know one person from Australia. We have oh that is
1: a real time zone issue.
0: We have two people from England and still we have a
1: pre-draft,
0: yep. And, and so like to start off, we did have a pre-draft. So when I selected Josh Allen 101, instantly Justin Herbert went one oh two. I said, All right, but since then, every day I get I get on the clock. Around four thirty, I do my two picks and then I'll pick again tomorrow at four thirty. Yeah, yeah. We only do two rounds a day because after I pick the guy after me, he says, All right, good night, guys, makes his pick and goes to bed. And then I know that there's another I think there's another guy from Europe. So we're just we're in the stranger's things, Hawkins, Indiana division. And so we had a couple other, you know, so it it's uh it, it definitely we have plenty of time, but what's gonna be really interesting is if the Deshaun Watson news breaks in the middle of our draft and we're in round 12, or if the Alvin Kamara news breaks. and in, in You the middle don't really of
1: expect Watson to play next year, do you?
0: We don't know. We well, don't know. we
1: know the NFL has, has vehemently said they want at least one year suspension, at least one year. Um, I don't expect him to be suspended more than a year, but I don't expect him to play this year. Um, it, it you can you imagine the PR hit now if it was just one or two girls, um, I, he'd be he'd be back after four games, mm-hmm. but 24 women at least. I've yep. I've heard reports there are a lot more, um, yep. and the fact that he's settling with them legally very smart he really is, but it does tend to make people think he's guilty whether he is or not. He's not claimed guilt and nope. he's, he's been pretty adamant that he didn't do it but you know where there's smoke there's fire um
0: no no and I and I I 100 I percent um you know I I definitely I think there will be some type of suspension um I had Drew Davenport um fantasy lawyer um he was on he was on the the ride or die podcast with me last week and he does think it's gonna be at least a half game suspension. He knows that the league is, is half a season. For a year.
1: You mean half a season?
0: Half a season, yes.
1: Yeah. Um, I think I think if they give him an eight game suspension, uh, it's gonna cost some female fans across the country.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's it's gonna cost, and it's and more than that. I mean, there's there's a lot, and you know, there's some. If anything else comes out, I mean, if more comes out, you know, we've heard there could be more. Um, but again, like I said, if if the news comes out, let's say the news broke uh, tomorrow about Deshaun Watson, he'd
1: he'd go he'd fly off boards. He'd fly he off boards because it, if he was playing the whole year, he would probably be considered a top three or four quarterback.
0: Yeah, and, and so he, and then you'd have to you know and let's say he came up came out the news tomorrow that he got a, a half, you know eight game suspension or nine game suspension. You know, we'll, well, he's he'd probably fly off the boards in the ninth, tenth, twelfth round, wherever you're at, but it's not going to be the he's same. Killing
1: the playoffs is what you're yeah. thinking. Yep. Um, but the problem is, he'd be coming off the board, rusty. I mean, he had all last year off plus half of this year. Yeah. Um, and and he's on a new team that he doesn't really know the receivers. Yep. Uh, with the scheme, when I looked at Cleveland and evaluated Baker that coaching staff sucks uh the offensive line is not good now the difference is Deshaun Watson is much better at running than than Baker is Baker's decent at escaping and keeping plays alive but when you watch guys like Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson they're a whole nother level of of running the ball um so i still you know i i st- I, I don't first of all, I don't think he's gonna play a game. Um, if he does, I think it's gonna cost the NFL dearly. And you know, I my problem with Deshaun Watson right now is that Cleveland guaranteed his entire contract. That's yeah. um unless he does something really stupid, they can't get out of it. So well, they're gonna pay him 230 million. Um,
0: and I think they now that they had the 24th. Um, they had 23 suits against him, and they said if no, they had looked,
1: 25 at one point, and then it went down to 24.
0: Well, when, when he signed with the Browns, there was 23, and then there was an additional after, yeah, which could that could trigger a point where the Browns could back out of the contract, but
1: they're, they're not, not going to.
0: But they're not going to, no,
1: they got really, they got Jogi, uh, Jacoby Brissett. They're not going to back out. Um, yeah, they
0: got Jacoby Brissett, and they've 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 already gotten Baker out of town. They've already made their bed. Yeah, if they try to get out of it now, and there's no, you know, there's because there's some talk about well, you know, the uh, the Texans knew what was going on, and they're implicit. And now that now the Texans are named as a defendant in the Deshaun Watson case as Why? well. Um, because they were they they had the, the women sign um, non disclosure agreements. They arranged the meetings. So
1: what? That's that that is for Cleveland to figure out. And Texans don't have Texans don't have to disclose injuries. They don't have to disclose anything. Nope. Um That's why these players before Baker trade went through. What did Baker have to do? He had to take a physical for the Panthers. Yep. You had to pass the physical or the trade didn't go through. Yeah, Um Deshaun Watson, if you're going to trade for him, you better do your own due diligence. You better not depend on the Texans to do it for you.
0: Yeah. And and a piece of that trade has already been used. They've already used the first round draft pick that they acquired for Deshaun Watson. So there's no way the trade's going to get reversed or anything like no. that. Um but there's just there's there's a lot, and then the Alvin Kamara out there, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, he's with probably
1: going to get a four to six suspension, right?
0: That that's what they're saying, um, yeah. and the, you know, and there's supposedly a security footage out there. It's not gone out yet, um, but either way, he could get something. Um, and you know, we've seen players get involved. Last year, Chase Claypool got involved in an incident, bar fight outside. He kicked a guy in the face clear as day on camera. There was no legal charges. He didn't even get fined, suspended, anything. Nothing happened.
1: That's the team. The team could have fined him.
0: Yeah. Because
1: every player has a clause in their contract about conduct. Yep. Conduct detrimental to the team. And you kick somebody when they're down. um, That's not a good look for anybody. And I'm drafting Claypool late in drafts now, so... Um, yeah,
0: it was last off season, but yeah. What, did,
1: what did Hopkins do? That he's PEDs. got six game suspension.
0: PEDs. He what? Performance enhancing.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. That you know, if they ever really really test it, probably 80% of NFL players are using some type of PEDs. Yeah, oh yeah. So yeah, it's it's sad, um, but again, the the game of fantasy hasn't really changed. You know, the value the evaluation of players is just as much. Um, uh, you know, it's a guesswork. It really is. You can do some logical guessing and things like that, but you still don't know, especially before preseason when you get a chance to see some of these guys. Like I heard that Cleveland had a great offensive line. I watched the games. They were not great. They were actually pretty pitiful. But what happened was they got two really good running backs that are very good at escaping hits behind the line. They were getting hit behind the line a lot, but they'd still reel off 12 yards because they'd break that first tackle. Baker was getting just demolished. And the coaches, you're down in field goal range. And twice in a row on fourth and two, you call a pass that's not a quick pass, where he's got to go back and set up, and the guy hits him before he turns around. That's that's play calling. That's coaching. It's you know, and it's bad line play. Um, and for those who think PFF, I like Pro Football Focus. I really do. But the way they do offensive line grading, it should be criminal. They base it on offensive yards. They base it on uh, uh, sacks allowed. They base it on touchdown scored and yard scored. Barry Sanders, they used to say he had one of the best lines in football. He didn't. He made people miss in the backfield all the time. It was not a great offensive line. And anybody who watched the games knew it was not a great offensive line. But I just think that PFF's methodology for grading offensive linemen is is skewed. Um uh, an NFL coach or college coach will tell you to grade offensive lineman. What you do is you look at the tape every single play and you give, give each play a grade. And basically what you're looking for is what was the lineman's uh, job? What was his, his task? Okay. If he's supposed to block down and the guard's going to pull around and kick the tackle or the defensive end, um, and the defensive end sacks the quarterback or gets into the backfield and, and gets the, the end, that is not that offensive tackles fault. That's the guard for not blocking it. Uh-huh. Um, so, but they, they guard, they actually um, grade every single player on the offensive line by looking at every single play and understanding what their responsibility was and did they meet it. Yeah. Um, that, that to me, is the way you grade offensive lines. Um, PFF doesn't have the time, the manpower to do that. They may not have the knowledge to do that because you don't know what the assignments are on a certain play call. You just don't. The the teams do. So uh, offensive line grading, I don't trust from anybody other than the team.
0: Well, um, I I just, I want to say thanks, uh, not only for your time tonight, but just what you've done For fantasy football, Um, this is, you know, it's a hobby that's turned into, um, you know, it's turned into networks, into jobs, into a lot. And it wouldn't happen for, you know, without pioneers like you. So I just want to say thank you uh, for all that.
1: Well, you're welcome. But thank you for having me on. I just love talking football. That's why I love If If your fans are on Twitter, get over to some of those spaces. Now, some of them are vulgar. Some, some of them are insanely competitive, but some of them you can get good discussions going, and they're, they're really, really interesting. They really are. It's like being in a bar with a bunch of your buddies talking football. I mean, what could be better?
0: Make sure you guys go check out Twitter Spaces. They are not a sponsor of the show yet, uh, but Greg is working on that for us. All <laughs> right. Thank you, everybody. As always, good luck this season please make sure you subscribe to SGPN fantasy podcast and all of your sports gambling podcast network shows.